Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. For your mind, and, uh, and today's topic is how do we take our minds back? There is a war that is raging for our minds, and there is a battle that's, that is going on, and uh, we need to know how to win that war. So you've got to be equipped with some tools. And here's the thing. This series, week after week, I, I don't always do this, but, but in our series, usually we just kind of tackle a, a piece at a time. But week by week, I'm going to give you tools that build on top of one another. So if you didn't hear the first week's message, please make sure you listen to that. It's available on our podcast, or you can listen to it or watch it on YouTube uh, or on our Church Center app as well. But, but, but today, I'm going to give you some really, really practical stuff that you can immediately implement in your life if you're looking to win the war in your mind. Our key verse on this subject comes from uh, the, the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament and is also somebody that we actually get to watch his transformation as he applies these very things to his own life, and that's from Paul. He wrote this in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, guys, there is a pattern out there of, of, of the way the world is doing things. The, the, that pattern is the way they think, the way they act, the way they interact with each other, the way they love one another, the way they don't love one another. He says there's a pattern that's out there and we all have a tendency, because he's talking to Christians here, okay? He's not talking to thin earth. Well, you thin earth, you just need to not conform to the pattern. He's talking to believers. He's saying, hey, don't get caught up. Because the world is around you, and you can't escape the world. You can't escape culture. You, you can't. It's all around us. It is pressed upon us. You cannot escape it. And so since you cannot escape it, you need to be aware that there's a pattern you need to not conform to. Instead, he says, instead of conforming to the way the world does things, he says, be transformed by going to church on Sunday morning. No. By, by reading a, a book by John Maxwell. No. He says, by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Now, I don't know about you, but I am subject to making dumb and irrational decisions. It's a true story. True story. That was sarcasm from my wife on the front row, by the way. I, I don't know about you, and maybe you can relate, but oftentimes the thing that I want the most is the exact thing that I spend the most time sabotaging. Can anybody relate? Okay, all right, just the guys in the room, huh? All right, ladies got it all together. That's cool. Uh, but it's funny because, because I'll act irrationally and I'll sabotage what I want the most. And on the other side of those decisions, on the other side of those moments, do you know what I want the most? A rewind button. Hey, can I get a do-over? Boop. An easy button that would just make that, that, that 15 minutes or that whole day or whatever, whatever time I spent sabotaging... I wish I could go back and do it again. You think, you know, that was, that was counterproductive, a.k.a. stupid, because I just destroyed what I wanted the most. And I don't know if you can relate to that, behaving irrationally. I don't know if you, you, you've ever made decisions that don't make any sense. Maybe, maybe one of the decisions or desires of your heart is you, you want to be nice to everybody in your family, and, but instead what you do is you come home and yell at everybody. 
right? I don't know if that's your story. It was certainly mine. Or maybe you're like, man, you know what I want to do? I want to save money. I want to be, I want to, you know, I want to buy a house. So I've got some financial goals. But you can't keep off of Amazon and all the things you don't need on Amazon you keep buying. Oh, okay. Or, or maybe, maybe you're somebody that's made a decision. I'm going to trust God with my life. But you spend all your time worrying about everything instead of surrendering control to him. Or maybe you're somebody who's like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep eight hours. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to sleep eight hours every night. But I got to know what happens and watch the next episode. I got to know. And so you don't get your eight hours of sleep at night. Anybody relate to that? We've got things that we want. These are good things that we want. But we sabotage ourselves with the behaviors, <laughs> with default behaviors instead of disciplined responses. Why do we do this? Why do we behave irrationally? Well, it's because somewhere in our brains, we've got the wires crossed. And when the wires get crossed, we have these unexpected results. Now, I I don't know if you've watched, there's this hit TV show. It's called Friends. Anybody ever seen that? And uh, in it, there's there's these characters, uh, and and, and they, they lose a bet, and so... Monica and Rachel have to switch apartments with, I'm using this as an example, I'm going somewhere, I promise. Monica and Rachel have to switch apartments with, with Joey and Chandler. And, and, and Monica gets in this apartment and there's a light switch by the front door. And she switches it on and off. And it doesn't do anything. And she turns to Joey, a former tenant of the apartment, and she goes, hey, what, what's this light switch do? And he goes, nothing. She goes, come on, it exists here. It's, it's here for a reason. It has to do something. He says, no. It doesn't do anything. Well, Monica doesn't buy it. So what she does is she goes around all the outlets in the apartment, and she plugs in something that is already turned on so that when she flicks the light switch on and off, she'll see the thing light up or she'll hear it make sound. She does this to all of, all of the appliances or to, to all of the outlets. None of them turn anything on. She's sitting there flicking the light switch. Monica doesn't settle. She spends time, hours, and money, goes down to the city development office, purchases the plans for the building so that she can see where the wiring is, follows the wiring, makes holes in all of the walls, and even one in the floor that she can now see down into her neighbor that lives below her, Mrs. Petrakis. (laughs) You're welcome. Oh, it gets better. I'm going to tell you the end. And she can't find what the light switch does. She's exhausted everything she can figure or she can do to figure out what's happening. But some, what she doesn't know is somewhere along the way, the electrician crossed the wires. And what's actually happening is every time she flips the light switch in that apartment, it's actually flicking an outlet in the apartment across the hall. And so the end of the episode is Joey and Phoebe are sitting there, and Phoebe is sitting like a little genie doing this. And every time she does, the TV goes on, and the TV goes off. She's like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. TV's going on and off. What's happening? Monica's sitting in, her, in the apartment just flicking that light switch because I, just, I guess it just really does nothing. It does something. The wires got crossed. And I think the same thing happens to us, right? When the wires get crossed, there are these unexpected behaviors, irrational behaviors. We, things happen that we're just like, how in the world did we get here? Somehow the wires get 
crossed. And the wires that get crossed are the wires that are in our minds. In fact, we talked about last week how that when we think a thought, that the thought that we think creates what's called a neural pathway in your brain, okay? So we're just talking science here. And that it creates a a neural pathway in your brain. And each time you think that thought, you are wiring or programming your brain. And every time you think that thought, that neural pathway, kind of like, like a walkway through grass, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And what happens is, is every time you think that thought, it gets easier and easier to think that thought, and you wind up getting entrenched in that thought. Your brain automates that thought. Now, this is good news when those things are good, positive things, right? But it's bad news when it's stinking thinking, when it's your inner critic that is telling you terrible things about yourself, and you, so you just think that over and over and over again, and you become entrenched in it. Your wires can get crossed. Think about your first-time experiences and how, how your wiring works, right? Like, so when you're, when you're a baby, a baby smiles, and mom smiles back, and the baby goes, okay, to get the goo-goo-ga-gas and get mom's attention, All I have to do is smile. Now, I'm not sure a baby has that complex of a thought, but they certainly understand. I smiled. She smiled. We just had a good time. We bonded and connected, right? Smiling, good. Frowning, bad. Okay, or or baby, the baby goes to the stove. Mom says the stove's hot. Baby doesn't understand what hot is, so baby touches hot stove, and then, ow. I don't like that. New neural pathway created, touch the stove, it's going to hurt. It's hot. Or maybe so the baby grows older, and and they've become a child now, a toddler. And the toddler wants something. And mom says no. And the toddler decides that they're going to use all of their energy instead of using words. They're going to let it vibrate out every part of their body, and they're going to throw themselves on the floor and a little bit of a fit and kick but it's more (laughs) floor-oriented. And they scream, and as a result, mom or dad is now embarrassed by the behavior of the child in public, and so the child gets exactly what they want. A neural pathway is created. If I pitch a fit, I get what I want. All the kid wanted was a sucker, and now the sucker becomes the parent. You know what I'm saying? Oh, shots fired. That happened once in my family. A child pitched a fit in the middle of Walmart. What they want you to do is witness their tragedy. But if you take away their witness, they stop. <laughs> so we just kept walking. <laughs> and all of a sudden they realized that the people they love the most and care about the most and should have been watching them pitch a fit weren't watching them, and they stopped that fit real quick. We weren't going to let that neural pathway set in. That was free for you. It was in my notes, but it was free for you. I just want you to know that's help, that'll help you, some of you parents with younger kids. <laughs> but the more you think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again, to get entrenched in it. And again, when it's truth, when it's positive, that's a good thing. Your brain automates that. It's a powerful thing. When it's negative, this is a bad thing. It's, it's lies that you believe, and as a result of believing some lies... You behave irrationally. Last week, we had an imaginary cookie. I won't go into the details of it. If you were here, you saw it. If you weren't, you missed it. That's all I'm telling you. But 
But there was an imaginary cookie that caused like a physical response in my buddy Ryan. That's irrational, isn't it? It's that he became entrenched in a lie and, and his mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's fake. We behave irrationally when our wires get crossed and we believe the wrong things. So last week we started off talking about how our mind is a battlefield and how most of life's wars are won or lost in your mind. And Paul starts off telling us, hey, we live in a world that is waging war, but we're not at war like they are. We're not waging it the same way they are. They've got weapons, but our weapons are not of this world. Our weapons have divine power to tear down strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold for us, and what Paul is talking about here, is a wrong pattern of thinking. It's that thing that you've thought over and over and over and over again and have repeated to yourself. It's that rut, that trench that you've gotten into. A stronghold represents the place where the wires get crossed. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we, we demolish arguments and every pretension. Read that cross wire. We demolish every cross wire that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So he's like, hey, we're, we're going to destroy these things. We have power that the world does not have. And that power that we have comes from the very truth of God. He's like, so we can demolish these strongholds. We can defeat them, and we can take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Why does this matter? Why does every thought matter? Well, it's the same thing I told you last week. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What comes into your mind tends to come out in your life. That was so good. I'll say it again. What comes into your mind tends to come out in your life. In other words, you can't have a positive life if you have negative thoughts. You have to spend some time uncrossing the wiring. Because if you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. So today I'm going to give you some tools and I'm going to teach you how to train your minds. Now when you think about this, when you think about training your mind, I don't know what, what it makes you think of, but I will tell you that training your mind is very much like training your body. Because when you train your body, it's not just about what you do, like the exercise that you do and how many calories that you burn, right? It's not just about training, tra training your body through, through what you do. It's also about what you put into your body that matters, right? It's about the right kind of uh, fuel for your body to get the results that you're looking to get. And it's the same thing with your mind. You can think positive thoughts all day long. You can think good things. But it's not just about what you do with your mind that matters when it comes to training it to win the war. It's not just about what you do. It's about what you put in to your mind. It matters just as much. We have to train our minds so we have to learn to think a certain way. And we also have to learn to limit or to guard our minds regarding what we put into it. My mom always used to say, garbage in. Yeah, you know this. We all, none of this is new. I, I'm not saying anything brand new to you. But, but we put garbage in. We fuel our minds with a constant steady flow of negativity. And then we're constantly surprised when we have nothing but negativity in our life. 
We're just surprised. We've got to guard what we listen to. What are, the, what are the lyrics to the songs that you're bumping when you're riding through your hood? Because I know when I'm riding through the berg and I got my windows rolled down, that what I'm listening to matters. When I, when I was a kid, I used to argue with my parents and say, you know what, we just like the beat. We, we just like the beat. Oh, well, so you'll be fine listening to the instrumental versions? Um, not so much. But, but when you ever stop and think about the lyrics that are in some of the songs that you enjoy, what you're feeding yourself over and over again, now you begin to, to you're, you got garbage in, and now you're thinking, maybe even singing and repeating those words, now we're getting garbage out. Our wires are getting crossed by what we're listening to, by what we're watching and binging on Netflix and Hulu and TikTok and social media. What are you putting into your brain? What are you feeding it? It matters. Even what you read, it matters. All of it matters. The fastest way is to get your wires crossed is to to have no filter at all and to have no guard up at all. To just let anything that's around you come into your life. Now, obviously, I'm not going to tell you to walk into Kmart and ask them to turn off the radio because I don't need to be hearing that secular music. You're going to be exposed to culture. But when it's up to you, what choices are you making to allow into your brain? You said, well, I'm, you know, I was forced to watch that movie that I paid for a ticket to go see. No, 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 you weren't. You went, you got in line, you bought that ticket, you went and sat your happy rear end down in the theater, kicked your feet up, turned the, the heat warmer on, and ate your popcorn before the, the previews even happened. You sat there and got ready to watch and consume that thing. Don't blame it on somebody else. The fastest way to get your wires crossed is to have no filter. Because what happens is you begin to subtly accept the enemy's agenda for your life. You begin to subtly allow what culture says and the lies that they are spreading about how we ought to be living our lives, how we ought to be thinking about ourselves, about each other. You will subtly accept it. Because think about this. The things that we watch, the things that we read, the things that we listen to, these are things that we laugh at, we dance to, we celebrate with, We put on repeat, we share, and we connect with one another over these things. Think about that. Think about the things that you talk about on Monday after having spent a whole weekend binging a Netflix show or whatever it is. I know I got into a conversation this weekend over the Rings of Power. I loved it. It was great. I made a connection with somebody over our mutual love for nerdism. Culture becomes so ingrained in us. It's part of everything that we do. We have to be careful what we put in. Garbage in, garbage out. What you think matters and what you put in it into your brain matters even more. Paul said this, and, and by the way, like I said, Paul is someone who learned this over time. And we can see his transformation throughout Scripture. But he's writing this uh, from a prison. He's actually in Rome. He's in prison. And he's waiting potentially for execution. 
And Paul writes this in Philippians 4.8. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And the next words that he says are not, you know, hey, God let me down. Well, I feel like my life was wasted. Or, you know what, that, that everything here in prison is so bad, I just can't go on. Uh, or, or he's not complaining that life couldn't get any worse. No, that's not what he does. This is the one last thing he's going to potentially say to this church at Philippi, a church that he started. He says, fix your thoughts. Boy, isn't that a statement in and of itself. Got the wires crossed, we need to fix it. Fix your thoughts. Paul's saying, hey, let's put our thoughts, let's focus our thoughts, let's set it clear, let's predetermine, let's decide This is how we're going to think. Well, that's important stuff because when you're faced with decisions, you don't need to make a decision in the moment. The decision's already been made for you because you decided already how you're going to live your life because you were already fixing your thoughts. Oh, okay. He says, so fix your thoughts. What do you fix your thoughts on? What's true? What's honorable? What's right? Pure? Lovely, admirable, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul said, hey, this is what you want to fuel your mind with. Wouldn't it be something, and I'm included in this, but wouldn't it be something if we had a framework for how we approached life, what we were going to watch, what we were going to listen to, what we were going to give attention to, what we were going to talk about? Wouldn't it be something If the framework that we said, all right, is this cool for us to listen to, watch, read? If the framework was, is it true? Check. Is it honorable? Check. Is it right? Check. Is it pure? Ah, there's some naked butts in it. Is it lovely? I don't, I don't know if you like naked butts. I mean, maybe, maybe. It would, wouldn't it be interesting? If we went down and said, is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it worthy? Of praise. If that was the filter through which we decided what we fed our brains, what we let into our minds. If you want to win the war for your minds, you have to fix your thoughts. What you allow in your mind matters. Paul continues on. Actually, this is another translation of it. He says, if there's any virtue and if anything praiseworthy, he doesn't just say think on these things. He actually goes a step further. And I like the, I like the wording of this. He says, meditate on these things. Now, there is a discipline of meditation, and many of us, when we think about meditation, we think about somebody sitting crisscross applesauce on the ground with their hands palm up going, um, right? We think of a very new agey kind of thing, and, and, and you say, well, is, is, is that good stuff? Is that really what you're saying for me to do? You want me to go and to meditate that way? Well, I'm not telling you that's necessarily a bad thing, but typically that kind of meditation is about emptying yourself of thought. It's about emptying yourself of worry and stress and just alleviating all of that. It's just to be empty in that moment. But the kind of meditation that Paul is talking about here is to engage in a mental exercise. It's, in other words, it's not about what you empty yourself of. It's about what you fill yourself up with. We are going to meditate on it. He's, the other part of that definition is to focus one's thoughts. And we see many people in Scripture did exactly this. 
They meditated on God's word. David is one of the ones who did it a lot that we see in the Bible. He even took his meditations and turned them into songs that he would sing so that he could focus. He's like, I need to bring myself back to this point right here. And he'd put the positivity, he would put God's truth into a song because you know what? You don't know the easiest way to remember a song or to remember anything is to put it in a song. I know all my pronouns to this day. You know why? Because somebody put it in a song when I was in sixth grade. And unfortunately, the person who put it in the song put it in in the song to the tune of the Michigan fight song. With, on, for, after, at, by, in, against, instead of, near, between, to, off, from, under, down, below, through, over, up, according to, broad, across, beyond, about, before, behind, within, about, amidst, among, around, about, towards, not, standing, into, all, all my teachers, where are my teachers, thank you, I knew there was at least one, that's all of them. Is it pronouns? Was that pronouns? Is that, I did get the word. That wasn't right. It wasn't pronouns. What is that? Prepositions. Dag on it. <laughs> we'll just edit that part out. It's, I knew all my prepositions. I'm not restarting it. Don't make me do that Michigan fight song again. David put, it, put that stuff into song so it's easy to remember. It gets stuck in your head. It becomes the earworm, right? We want that. They didn't empty themselves in Scripture. They focused instead. David said in Psalm 119, uh, 15, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Psalm 143, 5, I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. Meditation, my friends, helps you fix your thoughts. It's uncrossing the wires. That's what it does. And it's training your mind by what you put into it. You want to train your mind by learning to focus. Focus is one of those skills that is required for us to build. In fact, the great theologian Jackie Chan in the movie, the brand new remake of the movie, The Karate Kid, said this, your focus needs more focus. We need it. We need to dial in our focus like a camera. We need to learn to dial in our focus and to fix our thoughts, to fix our thoughts on God's truth. It's important. Instead of letting... Our default thinking or letting our wires get crossed, we need to fix our thoughts, decide in advance, and stick to what we determine to focus on. And that thing that we choose to focus on must always be God's truth. Because when our minds drift, I don't know about yours, but when my mind drifts, it drifts to the lies that I've been told. It drifts to the neural, the neural pathways that I have thought over and over again in my life. It drifts to the, the, the thoughts of, you can't do that. No one in your family's ever done that. You're not going to be able to pull that off. Or you're never going to be that. You, you're, you've made too many mistakes. You've gone too far. Or you've wasted too much time in your life. Or you're not ever, that's not ever going to be your story. You're never going to be free. You're never going to live a life that way that you're not enough, how could God use you? Or you're unlovable unless you do things for people and 
And then they'll love you, and then they'll stay in your life. I don't know about you, but my mind drifts to these lies, and all the worst-case scenarios run through my mind. But I have to make a choice. I have to make a choice to meditate on truth, to fix my mind on God's word and train it that way. So let me give you a simple exercise today to begin training your mind, and we're going to wrap this up here pretty quick. But I want to help you fix your thoughts and win the war for your mind. And I'm going to show you how to do it, how I renew my thoughts, and how you can win the war. And it all starts with a couple questions. The first one is, what stronghold is holding you back? What's the top wrong mindset that has been holding you hostage for a long time? Just identify one. You don't have to identify you know, all 50, if there's 50 of them for you, just identify one. What's the top mindset that holds you hostage? In other words, I'm asking you to identify where are the wires crossed? Where are your wires crossed? Is it you believe you're never going to get out of debt, that you're always going to struggle with your health, that you're, you're never going to have a meaningful job, that you're, you're never going to feel close to God, or that you can't overcome the addiction, you're never going to get married, or that you're always going to have a miserable marriage? What, what are the areas that your wires have been crossed? What is the top mindset or the top stronghold that is holding you back? And what lies have caused your mind to get those wires crossed? That's the first question. The second one to answer is what truth demolishes that stronghold? There is truth that can tear down that stronghold. And it's not just everyday good, good knowledge and good truth. It is God's word that must replace that. It must be scriptural, spiritual truth that defeats those lies. So you've got to get into God's word, and you need to know what it says so that you can access the power that it grants to you. So that you can, when those lies surface, you can train your mind to know this is the neural pathway I'm going to walk. This is the way that, that it is because this is the truth. Those are lies. And if you'll do that, what will happen is it will bring powerful transformation to your lives. Creating new neural pathways is what it's all about. Renewing your mind with God's truth. So what's the stronghold and what truth demolishes that stronghold? And what I want you to do is once you've identified the stronghold and the truth that demolishes it, I want you to write it down. For years, I kept note cards in my pockets so that, that at different times during the day, and I even had little alarms set on my phone, and my phone would buzz every couple hours, and I would pull that note card out, and I would meditate on God's word because there was a lie that needed to be defeated in my life. Somebody's car is going crazy. If you drive a blue Corolla, no, I'm just kidding. That's, that's going on out there. It's all right. But there is a lie that you have believed and a truth that is required to replace it. So write it down. And, and if you want to, put it in, in little note cards, keep it in your pocket, pull it out and look at it multiple times a day. And when you pull it out, the second thing I want you to do is think about it. Think about what it means. What are the implications for you? What will adjust and change? We want you to meditate on it and fill your mind with it. The third thing I want you to do is to confess it. I want you to say it out loud. I want you to say it out loud to yourself. Because you know what happens when you start speaking? Your mind shuts up. Your inner critic, the lies that have been repeated over and over, when you start speaking, your ears start paying attention. So I want you to confess it. There's power behind doing that. And I want you to continue doing that over and over again. I want you to write it. I want you to think it. And I want you to confess it. 
until that process of writing it, thinking it, confessing it, leads to a transformation of your mind, where that lie has been replaced and a new neural pathway has been created as a result. So I want you to write it. I want you to think it and confess it until you believe it, all right? Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Let's go, everybody. Let's go. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. That's what we're going to do. We're going to continue that process over and over again. Here's a few examples that are super practical and applicable for you today. If you're struggling to know God's will, here comes the statement. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek him and daily he directs my steps. I know his voice and he leads me to his perfect will. You can write that. You can think that. You can confess it until you believe it. If you lack confidence, you can make a statement. You can write this down and say, my confidence is in Christ and Christ alone. Because his spirit lives within me, I can do everything he calls me to do. We're going to write it. We're going to think it. We're going to confess it till we believe it. Or maybe you're fighting lustful thoughts. You write this out. This is truth. I'm not a slave to lustful thoughts. Because God has purified my mind, I will honor him with my eyes and thoughts. My God is faithful. Even if I am tempted, he will always give me a way out. Write it. Think it. Confess it until you believe it. Or maybe you find comfort in food. When I'm stressed, I turn to God, not food. I come to Jesus because he is what I need. In him, I find strength and comfort. Write it, think it, confess it till you believe it. Or maybe you battle worry. And here's a simple statement on how you can write it out. Because of Christ, I'm not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling in my mind. Write it, think it, confess it till we believe it. So, so what are we going to do? We're going to identify the strongholds. We're going to identify the lies. We're going to identify the areas where the wires have been crossed. We're going to identify the spiritual truth from God's word that demolishes that stronghold, the thing that sets you free. And then we're going to write it. We're going to think it. We're going to confess it until we believe it. You know, for me, I, I, I'm, I, there are lies that I've believed and lies that, that I've had to fight. And I've been in therapy for the last three years to really kind of uncover these things and to deal with them because, man, I believe that if I want a healthy church, y'all need a healthy pastor. And I've been in this journey for the last three years just kind of allowing God to look in my heart. But one of the greatest things that I've, the greatest, probably most painful thing that I've come to believe about myself is that I'm inadequate and that I, I am not, never enough. And the wires in my brain got, got crossed when I was way younger. And some of you can relate to this because this happened to you as a kid. Whether your parents intended to send this message, kids are great recording devices, but they're terrible interpretation devices, right? Sometimes we misunderstand things. When I was a kid, my father left my mom. My biological dad did. And I came to believe that he didn't leave her, but that he abandoned me, and so I felt a sense of abandonment, that why wasn't I good enough for him to stay around? And my mom remarried, and she married a, a wonderful man. He's faithful. He was an incredible provider, but he was also very busy working, providing, and so he worked 
tons and tons of hours every week, which meant he wasn't available for me. And when he was available and around, he was grumpy because he was tired. He was working hard so that I could have a private Christian school education and have all the things that he never had because he came from a poor family. But how I interpreted that and how I internalized that and the neural pathways that I created in my mind was that I'm not good enough for him to even look at me. That I wasn't good enough for him to give time to, to invest in me. And these became challenges of my life. And so I struggle with those two messages. The message of, Aaron, you're inadequate. And that you're never enough. And those messages became ingrained within me. And those, those became, became and still are my biggest fears to this day. I can default into those messages easily. They've been around for so long. But I'm working on uncrossing those wires. I'm working on defeating those things with God's truth. In the same way that you can win the war in your mind, I'm winning the war in mine. You can absolutely defeat the strongholds in your life. But let me tell you how this plays out for me. Every time, without fail, that God wants to do something big in me, for me, or through me, what happens is, is I begin to sabotage it. And I begin to sabotage it because of the irrational thinking that I have in my brain. God can't use me. I'm not enough. I am inadequate. And instead of attending to what he's giving me to do, I busy myself doing other things, taking care of other people. I busy myself being mean to people, spending time in isolation. Aaron, you're a pastor, and that's your struggle? Mm -hmm. Welcome to it, won't you? There it is. You're no different than me. Don't judge my life. I know you're not. I don't care if you expect me to have it all together. I don't. I'm working on it, though. And I begin to self-sabotage, and I wind up with irrational behavior. I beat myself up. I lack confidence. I worry. I lose sleep. I get moody, depressed. I attend to numbing behaviors, whether that, that be things that, 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 uh, that just take me out of my, out of my present state to, to avoid the pain, whether that's watching television shows or spending way too much time in my hobbies or whatever that looks like. You keep busy so that you don't feel that pain. And really what I need the most is to have that stronghold torn down, and I've been working on that for the last three years. And, and here, here's one of the things that I do, and I want to be very, very clear here that I'm not perfect at this, that I'm still working on it, all right? I need you to understand that. I'm not asking for you to feel sorry for me. Don't. I'm winning the war. I win way more than I lose now. It's good. I don't sit. I don't sit in those ruts as long as I used to. I'm winning way more. But what I do is I've got these declarations about myself that are rooted in God's word. In fact, I have them hanging on my mirror in the bathroom, and, and here, here it is. That's it. It hangs there so I can see it every day. And, and it's got some, some declarations about my life. I've also got them on my phone so that when I need them, I've got them available to me. You can do the same thing. All right, you don't have to leave that up there. People are enamored with my bathroom now. Yes, it has a toilet, everybody, okay? <laughs> but these declarations, these, these are actually something I stole from a, a brilliant pastor, and I loved them, and I edited them for me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you my declarations. Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife and I will lay down my, 
lay down my life to serve her. My children will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I will nurture, equip, and train and empower them to do more for his kingdom than they can imagine. I love people and believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am growing closer to Jesus every day. I am creative, innovative, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I develop leaders. That's not something I do, it's who I am. I bring my best and then some. And it's what I do after I bring my best that is making the, the biggest difference. The world will be different and better today because I served Jesus. And I am healed in my body by the stripes Jesus took on his back. These are confessions that I declare over my life. I've written them. I think them. I confess them until I believe them. Why does it matter? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And if you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. So take your mind back, church. Take your mind back. Meditate on the truth. Fix your thoughts. Identify the strongholds. Where the wire has been crossed. And replace that with truth. You will be set free. So write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Because this is how we live out Romans 12, 2 that says, to not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And it's not by trying harder, guys. It's by allowing God's truth to transform us. Let's pray. Father, today I know that, uh, that this, this is a deep dive. And that for some of us, this is, this is something that has rattled our cages for too long. That we have lived as prisoners of our thoughts. We have lived as prisoners of the lies that we've told ourselves, that others have told us, that the enemy has whispered in our ears. And for too long, we've thought those thoughts. God, I pray that you would uncover the lies in our lives that you would reveal the strongholds. And at the same time as you reveal the strongholds, Lord, that you would point us towards the truth in your word that has the power to demolish every stronghold in our lives. That God, as we make a choice to meditate upon your word, you would add your power to it, that our minds would be renewed, our lives would be transformed as we change the way that we think. God, I just pray that you would move in us your grace would abound. And that when we don't get this perfect, Lord, your strength would uphold us. Your spirit will teach us and bring us back to your truth. Now in this room, as we continue to pray, I just want to speak to those of you that maybe find yourself in a place where you're far from God. And, and maybe there's some, <clears throat> some lies you've come to the relationship with or even come to church with that are just kind of hanging over you, that maybe you, you believe you're not good enough. Or maybe you believe that God could never love you. But my Bible tells me that if you confess with your mouth, or believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you shall be saved. There's no conditions on that. God's love isn't just for good people. In fact, God's love is for all people. God's not angry at you because of the things you've done with your life. He's not angry about you, or he's not angry at you over what happened last night. God loves you deeply, and he wants you to know him. He wants to be in relationship with him. He wants that for you. 
And so today, if you want to place your faith in Jesus, yes, you have entry into heaven. That's a beautiful thing. But also, Jesus promises a full and fulfilled life here on this earth. The Bible says, when you know the truth, and by the way, the truth in that reference of Scripture is knowing Jesus. When you know Jesus, Jesus will set you free. So if you're ready to live a life of freedom today, to know God, to be forgiven, to have eternity in heaven, the Bible says believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So I'm going to give you the words to pray in just a moment. But if you want to be counted in on that, would you just let me know? Would you slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me today. I want to pray that prayer today. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Just slip it up. Say, that's me. Church, let's all pray together. Nobody prays by themselves. Everybody out loud, say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, Simple Church, can we celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today? Man, it's a powerful day. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the, the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.